I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. I'm going to give the audience what I think they want. They want chasing, they car crashing. They want the cops to bend the rules to get the job done. They want the boy to get the girl. They want the good guy to win. They want the bad guy to die. Hopefully in the biggest explosion the budget will allow. But most importantly, Senator, they want to walk into a theater and for 90 minutes forget the fucking mess that you have left of this nation. Go get your bubble gum. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. On the second day of Christmas, my true love gave to me two hapless morons and a podcast without a host. Welcome to the All Out of Bubblegum podcast, where we, this week, are sailing rudderless as our captain and uh, regular host, Brenton, has abandoned us after having been offered to be Russell Crowe's buddy double in Pope's Exorcist to uh, Shitting in the Woods, <laughs> uh, or whatever he's actually doing. Uh, I'm Stein Rutledal, as usual, and with me today is only Martin. Hello. Hello and welcome. Thank you very much. Still kind of excited about today. Good movie. The all-European edition of the All Out of Bubblegum podcast. So we've picked a real European art house movie for you today. <laughs> no, it's the first Christmas episode. Merry Christmas. Yay. And we're talking about a hidden gem, a DTV action movie, Exit Speed. That is correct. Um, well, how did you come to this movie? If I am, am I correct in remembering that you bought this movie and watched it based on my review on Letterboxd? That is absolutely correct. All right. You gave it a really, really positive review. Yeah. I think you gave it a nine out of ten, even. I did. I think I gave it a. F- oh, I did. I see that. I've. I've. Uh, I see. I've, I've adjusted it. I, I've seen this movie now because I rewatched it today. So I watched this for Christmas 2020, 2021, and 2023. So this is basically on my regular Christmas roster at this point. Damn. I watched it the first time because of your recommendation, your positive review, and I rewatched it yesterday. Okay, yeah, well, I rewatched it last year for because I, I like it. Uh, I discovered this movie um, when... Um, so there's a podcast I listen to called The Important Cinema Club. <laughs> and naturally, they talked about this one. Well, they did not. But uh, Justin DeClue, who's one of the co-hosts of that uh, podcast, uh, he is, does these uh, mind melter screenings, he likes to call them, which are 24-hour marathons. He hosts them on Twitch, and um, he does them for Halloween and Christmas and summer. And so for the Christmas one in 2020, he showed Exit Speed. And that's how I discovered Exit Speed. Hmm. But it's 24 hours. I think it's only 12 hours because the Christmas one is only 12 hours because he's running dangerously low on Christmas movies that are good. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Because after three years, because it's always supposed to be underseen movies. Yeah. Only really the final film of the whole marathon will be something you have seen. Like last year, it was Batman Returns. The year before, it was I Come in Peace with Dolph Lundgren. So at the end, when everyone is tired and have seen movie, watched movies for 12, 13 hours uh, or 24 hours to 25 hours in some cases, 
uh, then you get like the the big one to like you, the, the, you're familiar with to like end on a high note. But uh, mostly, it's a great place to discover films you haven't seen, like Exit Speed, which is it's how I discovered Exit Speed because it was a movie people, a Christmas movie people had not seen or heard about. Might just be a good one to open a Christmas movie marathon with because it starts on Christmas Eve. Yeah, I don't think this one opened it. I think it was in the middle of the night in the waking the crowd back up section. But of course, uh, he he streams it out of Toronto, so it's based on Toronto times. And then I don't li- I live in uh, Europe. You can you can just put on exit speed at home. Yeah. Why? Well, yeah. Sure. Uh, but yeah, it's also where I watched like Dead Bang with Don Johnson for the first time, and uh, Heat with Burt Lancaster. No, fuck. <laughs> Burt Reynolds. <laughs> Here we go. Again. I'm doing the I'm doing the divert the reverse Burt reversal. No, um, uh, yeah, Heat with Burt Reynolds was part of it uh, last year, so that's I saw that one and uh, a lot of fun, and yeah, uh, yes, all this stuff. Maniac Cop Two, Rocky Four, been in there. Just like there's some big ones, some fun ones for top, and. Um, yeah, excited to see what's gonna be there there this year, and uh, maybe that it's gonna be a movie that we're gonna discuss next year after I discovered it and forced it on the rest of you. Yeah, <laughs> well, try to force it on the rest of us. You've only succeeded in forcing forcing it on me. Yeah, that's because the other two aren't showing up today. Yeah. So I could have forced them on them this year, I guess. Um, but yeah, I think it's the first time I watched this. I watched it on YouTube. That's where someone I just uploaded it on YouTube in 2020. But then uh, now I bought the Blu-ray because I watched it several times and I really like it. Well, I think it was on YouTube legally, though, we should say. Oh, that's possible. I think I've seen it on there as well. Not watched it on there, but seen it. But yeah, I got the DVD. Easy to get hold of. A, a Dutch DVD or just like a... Dutch DVD, yeah. Oh, it does have a Dutch uh, release. Okay, and I got a Blu-ray from uh, America. I think it's available on DVD from like everywhere, but I don't know why I, I went the extra step and imported a, a Blu-ray for all the way from the good old US of A. Fuck yeah. Yeah, mostly I think because it uh, had some um, special features. It had really, it had a, has a 40 minute production diary special feature, oh. which was um, fun to watch. I learned some, uh, learned some stuff watching it. Uh, some stuff you can also just read on the IMDb trivia section. Yeah, like it rained for most of the shooting. Yep, it rained for uh, two, three out of four weeks of shooting, and you cannot tell at all watching no. the movie. There is I, actually you can't. There is during like the opening credits montage when Fred Ward is driving, you he drives through the city and you can see the streets are wet, and that's the only time there's any indication of having rained. Yeah. Now you learn some other stuff. Like they shot this in May, June, around the summer. Yeah. So it doesn't really have that Christmas feeling. But it is also set in Texas, which yeah. I guess... I mean, these days, Texas have uh, seems to have snowstorms all the time. What's up with that? Hmm. It's mm. almost like global warming is a thing. Oh, no. Never heard of it. No. <laughs> no, but yeah, this movie, uh, it's set on Christmas Eve. which It starts out with uh, Fred Ward, uh, rest in peace. He passed this year, last year. He's dead. That's the main point. Yeah. Uh, rest in peace. Rest in power. I love Fred Ward. He's great. I love his grumpy-ass attitude. I, I watched Remo Williams for the first time this week. Oh, I, I have not seen Remo Williams, actually. That's uh, despite loving Fred Fred Ward. So what's say Fred Williamson. I do no longer love Fred Williamson. 
you know, Fred Ward, great, great career. Yeah, sure. A lot of great stuff. Living in Miami Blues. There's Tremors. Two Guns. I really is. I think that's one of his last roles. Naked Gun uh, 33 one third. Yeah, he plays the villain in the fi- the final final one. Yeah. Uh, Remo Williams. I guess that was that was his big one where he plays the title character, and I, I guess it wasn't really a hit. No. No. Time Rider is one I enjoy. It's a really dumb one where he he drives his motorcycle back through time <laughs> and becomes his own grandfather, I think, or great grandfather. Okay. It's one of those movies that it doesn't make sense. <laughs> but I think, yeah, he, he goes back in time and accidentally becomes his own grandfather. But in this one, he plays a military police and he's here to arrest our lead, I guess, sort of. She's not top bill, but she's she's the main character. And it's definitely her story in a way. But the movie has a really rich character gallery. And everyone sort of gets their own story in a way. Yeah, and I think that it pulls the rug out from under you very well with one of the characters you think is going to be the main character. Yeah. The bus driver. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll get there eventually. Cause, uh, well, pretty soon probably. But it's one of, the, one of the things the movie does really well is create a really good good character gallery really good performances and they all have like good motivations and but also the it feels like anyone could die at any time sort of you don't feel safe for any of them no and but yeah he's there to pick up this army colonel sergeant something he i forget he he called i forgot her ranking but yeah, she's she's gone a wall and something where she did something to her captain and then uh, ran to avoid court martial. I I think was the story. It's it's not really sp- spelled out for you. Um, played by Julie Mond, I think Mond. I don't know how do you say her last name. Uh, an actress I've never seen in any anything else. So her I don't her action career did not really go anywhere following this. I guess I did think she looked like Jamie Alexander. And then I found out she took over Jamie Alexander's role in the Rest Stop sequel. So I, I wasn't the only one who thought so. Okay. I don't know what Rest Stop is, to be honest. Is that a... It's a, two horror movies. Okay. Jamie Alexander. Oh, she... That's... I saw her in the Gerard Butler movie. Um, but yeah, it's got a good cat. And then, you always see he's taking her to... He's supposed to bring her in. But she makes a run for it and escapes to this bus station yeah. where she gets on the bus. I was just going to say the titular bus, but there is no there's no bus in the title. Um, a bus to El Paso? It says El Paso on the top, but it, they, they say Lordsburg at a certain point, don't they? Someone buys a ticket to Lord. Maybe she bought a ticket to Lordsburg? I think it makes stops along the way. And El Paso is the end stop. They mention Lordsburg, and that's where the stagecoach in Stagecoach is going. Also, ah, yeah. the, um, the, like the John Ford movie, and I feel that's that's a very deliberate reference and connection. They keep uh, in the, um, the production diary on the Blu-ray. They also keep talking about how it's, it's basically a western, and so the bus is a stagecoach, and uh, the bikers are uh, Indians, and so forth. Ah. So makes sense. Yeah, that's the that's the basis of the movie. Uh, so they're not long after they leave the bus station, uh, some bikers start uh, coming towards them, 
and um, a bus driver gets distracted and runs over one of them. Yes. Uh, so so it's uh, if, if they just paid attention, they wouldn't even get in trouble. Like the bikers are just like hassling them a bit, but then they're gonna leave. But then they yeah they run over a guy, and it's really gnarly. Yeah. <laughs> like the the blood and uh, the gore effects in this one, they they're really effective. They save them for when they need to, but. That guy looks. He he. That guy gets crushed. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's, he's, it's. Um, I guess. Well, he. There's two people on the bike, so the lady gets really crushed. The guy gets up. Doesn't get crushed immediately because, yeah. Well, also on the bus we have like um, Desmond Harrington, who sort of it becomes a bit of a de facto lead also, from Dexter. I think I know him primarily from Dexter. The original Wrong Turn. Again, you're not. I'm not as versed in these modern horror movies as you. So, but Ghost Ship is another. That's actually a horror movie. Yeah, it's in that one. He's the lead in Ghost Ship too. I remember him best from from Dexter, where he plays Dexter's sister's partners, like police partners slash fuck buddy slash boyfriend. Okay. In some of the later seasons, I I couldn't tell you how long he was on Dexter. But I, I know he got introduced like in the midway through or something. Well, he has one of those faces where you're like, I think I've seen him in something, but I can't remember what. Yeah, he's got like a generic, good-looking face. Yes, but not good-looking enough that he he made a proper career out of it, I guess. <laughs> no. Yeah, and we have uh, Leah Thompson's on the bus from uh, Back to the Future, one, two, three. Marty's mom. Yeah, she plays Mrs. McFly. Oh, and from Howard, Howard the Duck, she's the she's the one that fucks Howard the yeah. Duck <laughs> and other other eighties classics like Jaws 3D. Oh, she was. Yeah, she's the lead lead lady in Jaws 3D. It's kind of Jaws 3D. It's her and uh, Dennis Quaid, isn't it? Or she yeah. has a smaller part. Uh no, she was not the main lady in Jaws 3D. She's she just has a smaller part. Mm. I just remember her f- from that for some reason. And uh, she had a sitcom called Caroline in the City, I think, in the 90s. If you say so. Uh, it's one of those that sort of went into, for some reason, we kept it in syndication forever. So it's probably something that's it's remembered here because it would, I don't know, for some reason, just random sitcoms just went into was this. Okay. It was the stuff that uh, ended up going in, in syndication there, especially in, like after school time. So this. For some reason, I've probably seen all episodes of Caroline in the City. I couldn't tell you anything about it, except I think it starred Leah Thompson. And it's probably set in a city. Ah, uh, yes. The city, in fact. Mm. Um, and, yeah, some other actor. There's, I think those are all the biggest names. Fred Ward, obviously, not on the bus, because um, he is trying to find her. Um and uh, some other there's other characters here. There's uh, where I don't really I'm not super familiar with the actors. Um, like um, there's uh, this vegan uh, fantasy lady, the bow uh... bow and arrow girl, who's just played by Alice Gres- Grezin? Gretchen something. Yeah, uh, who I'm not familiar. And um, it is yeah, this 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 couple. Uh, for the where the guy the guy is uh, called Duke, which is another another stagecoach reference, I guess. But they keep calling him Rabbit or Jack Rabbit. 
Yeah, his girlfriend calls him rabbit, and then everyone else starts calling him. Well, I think I think that the the lead girl is the first one who calls him Jack Rabbit after he runs. All right. Yeah, and there's there's yeah his his uh, girlfriend played by Kelly Don Hancock, another actress I'm not really familiar with. Uh, there's a Mexican bus driver. No, he's not a Mex- he's not the bus driver. The bus. This is there's but there's an old old older Mexican man, Mister Vargas, um, who also again not an actor I'm familiar with, and there's this um, I know it's a football coach with a bit of a rage bit of a rage problem, and a booze problem. Yes, played by Gregory Jabara. I just I noticed this name because it's I don't know how to I never seen a name that. Where there's just JB is the first two initials. <laughs> no. And uh, who was in Oppenheimer this year? Actually, I remember watching Oppenheimer. I was like, well, "Hey, that's that's the guy from Exit Speed." Yeah. <laughs> he, he he plays one of the ju- the, the Senate hearings, one of the s- Supreme Court members or whatever it is. Okay. They he's like the chairman who who questions uh, Robert Downey Jr. in Oppenheimer, and I was like, "Hey." I was doing the the Leonardo DiCaprio pointing to the screen thing, <laughs> and he he's another guy who was in a in a sitcom that kept going after school all the time. This was called Grounded for Life. I've probably seen every episode of Grounded for Life to a sitcom nobody remembers, but no, nope. yeah, yeah, I saw it. Anyway, they run over this uh, biker guy, um, and the biker gangs immediately turn on them, but they go on. They, then they go to to check, check on the um, the biker guy, and it turns out he survived, but he has a gun. Yes, and he pulls it on them, and then he shoots the bus driver, who you mentioned feels like a character who's gonna be in the whole movie, because he is just introduced like five minutes earlier. But he has a back, he's given a backstory. He's immediate. He makes an immediate like connection with the lead actress, and you think like, okay, this this guy is gonna be one of the one of the leads. And no, just shot in the face five minutes later. A great surprise. Yeah. And then the other thing in the same scene that that's, makes you feel unsafe for all the characters is that Julie Mond also just eats a bullet immediately. Yeah. She gets shot right in the gut. But luckily they, they duct tape a tampon to her. <laughs> and she seems very, very unaffected by being shot for the rest of the movie. She, she's doing really great. Yeah. And yes. Some other people. So this another lady gets shot in the throat, which is not a really gnarly blood effect. Yeah, she's dying in there. I don't remember who if that character is introduced before being shot. She's dropped off by two of her friends. Okay, we do see her arrive at the bus station. Yeah, that's one of the things that's good with this movie. Like it just takes the time for just all the small setups. Yeah, this movie is also just very good with building expectation and then subverting it. Yeah, it really it there's a lot of uh yeah, it's just really well well done screenplay at the bottom of this that well, I don't know, the movie doesn't deserve almost uh, and it's just the the writer of this is doesn't seem to have any particularly other notable he wrote Iron Eagle 4 No Contest 2 and a couple of episodes of Paw Patrol. Oh, okay. he he leveled up and he wrote uh, the Max Havoc sequel, which uh, Max Havoc is 
this, um, it was an Albert Pune movie, Max Havoc, Curse of the Dragon, and then uh, inexplicably they also made a, a Max Havoc 2, despite nobody enjoying this. And they, they try to make a TV series based on this Max Havoc, Havoc character. It's just a, a completely inexplicable uh, property that some, I don't know, it's not really even a property. It's just a guy. <laughs> and they just kept trying to make this for some reason in the mid 2000s someone really believed that Max Havoc was going to be a thing even though nobody knows what Max Havoc is well th that might actually be a benefit yeah maybe it's uh, I mean the first yeah there's uh, I'm not going to derail everything to talk about Max Havoc but <laughs> the first the first movie was a nightmare and uh, it's, uh, it's something where the, the, the Guam the government of Guam claimed Albert Pune swindled them out of money and Isaac Florentine came in and, and did a bunch of reshoots on it and neither director now wants to have their name on the movie and uh, it's just a nightmare it's something something for a, a different episode altogether yeah uh, but yeah then this perfume salesman takes over driving the bus and they well they just drive it into um what do you call that? Like a car yard? Yeah, scrapyard. Like something, scrapyard. Yes, like a like a abandoned scrapyard, and they they crash the bus, and the the perfume salesman, uh, also instantly killed, just impaled. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, just brutal violence. At well, times it's really gnarly. Some of the violence they put in this. Yeah, I got the idea that the scrapyard was just a base for the bikers. Okay, well, it, it turns out it's not. Well, maybe it's a second base. but Maybe. A hangout or something, I don't know. Like it was a graveyard of their former victims. But it's never confirmed or anything. They should have the From Dusk Till Dawn ending, where they zoom out and show the back of the young junkyard, and it's just just pile of corpses. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so they, they hold up here, create like a fourth yeah. to hide from the bikers and like have a, a standoff. And uh, yeah, they have some guns, and uh, the bikers they sort of back up. But you know, there's, there's coming more bikers. Yeah, one of the bikers leaves to get uh, reinforcements. Yeah, I also like how one of the bikers seems to be like a hundred and fifty, no, like three hundred pound man with long yeah. purple <laughs> hair. I don't know where they cast this this guy. Uh, or yeah. Well, you definitely go for a little bit of a Mad Max two vibe with the bikers. Yeah. Because the bikers do feel sort of like they're not really coming from reality. They are sort of based on the like the cowboy villains or like just they don't really belong. They're they're really too lawless for this modern world in a way. Yeah. But it's sort of like a suspended reality thing with the weird ass biker gang. And later we see their their lair where they just have some people hanging from the <laughs> ceilings and they have a. A, a guy up in a cage and then they just yeah shoot him up but it's it's just the right amount of weird like i i can still buy it somehow yeah i mean it's if it was set in florida it would no one would question it yeah they would be the leads yeah <laughs> they would be the normals <laughs> yeah. yeah well that's but this movie it doesn't really feel super christmasy because no. well it's shot in shot, shot in may in may july um not May June, obviously, they didn't stop shooting for a month, um, and so it, it very sunny, which I guess that's why it's set in Texas. Uh, I think everyone just keeps saying 
Merry Christmas or because <laughs> yeah. to remind you that it's Christmas. And at one point, one of the bikers finds a Christmas hat. What do you call it? A Christmas yeah. hat? Yeah. Puts it on. A Santa hat. Santa hat. That's the one. Yeah. And I think that's uh, great. He's also, he's the last uh, biker to die is the one with the Santa hat so that you yeah. remember for the longest time that uh, it's a Christmas movie. Yeah. <laughs> and the Duke has a mistletoe. Yeah, and while uh, Desmond Harrington buys a Christmas gift for his uh, son at the start, yeah, he's a uh, he's a deadbeat dad, I guess. Well, or he he ran when his girlfriend got pregnant, and now he's trying to be a dad again for his uh, son. We never see the son, but no, it's that's his backstory. But yeah, they come here and then they they try to um, figure out like, okay, what do we have here? What can we do? And uh, the Mexican guy goes off to start building uh, a potato gun, but nobody understands anything because he he only speaks Spanish and yeah. no one else speaks Spanish. He just tries to communicate a hairspray to them. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> nobody understands. Uh, so, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we learn stuff like that the, the girl is an archer and uh, she's a vegan, so she doesn't want to kill anyone. Yeah. But she has, she does have a bit of a crush on Desmond Harrington. Oh, who wouldn't? So she, when when he when he's in danger, she, she's like, "Oh fuck these guys! I'm gonna kill him." Well, it starts a bit, or it's when because um, they decide um, they realize that the bus is uh, isn't meant to stop and for another uh, six seven hours or something, and so yeah. nobody's gonna miss them until they're probably dead unless they do something. And so Leah Thompson decided that uh, when the sun sets, she is going to run for help because she is a amateur marathon runner. Yes. Yeah, when she goes to run, the archer girl has to be cover for her. Yeah. Give her cover fire. And uh, first she can't, but then she she does kill kill a biker with an arrow. But then she, like, she swears off it, throws the arrows away. It's like, I'm not going to not gonna do this anymore but then later she does later she kills more people yeah yeah the power of uh, having a crush on Desmond Herring yeah. <laughs> makes you kill people yeah that's just the way it is it's a shame yeah all his ex-wives are in prison yeah <laughs> yeah and then yeah so then she goes goes running and I think this is maybe my favorite favorite part of the the film is her sort of journey now where she goes off and uh and leah thompson just she's so good in this she is yeah it's like it's really it really lifts the movie up that they, they got her to to play this part and just sprinkle in a bit of these these little more seasoned character actors and uh yeah when she's and she runs into one of the bikers on her run sort of and she has to she had to kill her in self-defense and it's a really, really powerful scene, actually. Like, because she's really struggling with it. She gets her face pushed into barbed wire. Yeah. Kind of and then they're, and then they're fighting, and she's choking her. But then she has to stop, and she has to put a plastic bag over the biker's face because she can't stand looking into her face while she's just killing her. Yeah. And then in the very next scene, she runs up to a guy and cuts his throat with a machete, <laughs> like she's Jason worries. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, that's uh that's such a great great moment and it's such a weird mix of you have this really the first kill is like it's so harrowing it's that casino royale opening where it's like 
The second one is yes, considerably. I know, considerably. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I guess she's like the first one. Oh, she's crying, and you're really feeling it, and it's like, oh Jesus, maybe killing is bad. And then it's like, hey motherfucker, and then just slicing yeah. <laughs> in the neck, and just the blood just shoots out. Yeah, and then she runs into Fred Ward, and then Fred Ward gets back to be back. Finally, he's he's out for most of the movie. Yeah, he has like he has the opening, and then he has like one scene in the middle, and then he comes back for the end. Well, maybe we should explain and the the biker who went to get reinforcements. Fred Ward ran into him, started following him. Yeah, maybe you shouldn't maybe note that it's not just random that yeah. Fred Williamson. No, Fred Ward. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Fred Ward is there, uh, uh, like at the bi- biker lair, which is where she ends up too. Yes. Uh, so it does make sense. Again, the the writer of Iron Eagle Four thought about these things. <laughs> you ever watch Iron Eagle? No. I I, I didn't even I didn't watch the fourth one. I, I tapped out at the third one. Even though the third one's good, it's just that uh, the fourth one's like a made-for-TV movie where they brought back. The character they kill the character uh, they kill the a character in the second one and then just bring him back for the fourth one, and it's like really, really cheap compared to the other ones. So I just get that I I couldn't because the third one's really good and they got like John Glenn who was doing James Bond movies to come in and do it. Oh, yeah. and that was like super slick and it's got uh, Toshiro Mifune in it and stuff. No, no, Sony Chiba. Sony Chiba. Toshiro Mifune is a bit too highbrow for yeah. <laughs> Iron Eagle 3. It was Sony Chiba in Iron Eagle 3. But yeah. Um, <laughs> so that one's, real, that one's great. Uh, really polished. And then the next one, the follow-ups is like a really cheap TV movie where it's just like, oh, there's a rival flight school. And uh, Yeah. Let's bring up more movies I haven't seen. Yeah. <laughs> what am I thinking about? Yeah. And so then... Uh, but then back at the junkyard, oh, I think I skipped a part, but yeah, part of the, um, I think this happened way earlier, but part of the thing that makes you feel like nobody's safe is that earlier on, the, um, uh, Desiree, the, 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 the Duke slash rabbit slash bunnies, uh, girlfriend, uh, the, the Kelly Hancock character, she just gets shot in the face. Uh, yeah. Like out of nowhere it happens another gnarly headshot but just like out of the blue shot in the face and then you feel like oh shit there's still nobody's nobody's safe you just don't know who's gonna who's gonna survive this really yeah feel that anyone could could go at any time almost I actually had the feeling that uh, oh what was her name Meredith Cole the the, the lead yeah. lady yeah that's a Julie Mond character Corporal Mond or Sergeant Mond or whatever I had the feeling she was gonna die from her wound towards the end. Yeah, I mean, it could have happened. Would make sense. Yeah, she she gets shot, (laughs) (laughs) and that would be a a sort of a redemption arc for her. And you just you feel very much that that could be a possibility. Yeah, you you just don't know everything, and everything feels off the table uh, because they just yeah they start start just killing everyone off. Yeah, and then. but then they, uh, the the Mexican guy, Mister, fuck, I forgot, Vargas. I forget everyone's Mister Vargas. We don't even get to know his name until like the end. Oh, that's one thing. Like, is it normal in Norway when somebody asks you your name to give your entire name? Uh, n- no, no. 
No, it isn't over here either. But in this movie, everybody gives their full name. <clears throat> no, I don't. I don't think so. Maybe maybe it's an American thing, or maybe it's just a movie script thing. Yeah. Maybe we should watch Iron Eagle Four to see if it's a trope yeah. of uh, this guy. <laughs> I forgot his. I should at least at least give him his name. His name is Michael Stokes. Yeah. Michael Stokes. He wrote uh, No Contest to Iron Eagle Four. Uh, Sabotage and Sanctuary with Mark Dacascus and mm. Max Havoc to Ring of Fire and some episodes of Paw Patrol. Yeah. <laughs> Give him his due here. Well, he, he wrote one good screenplay at least. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, well, he did. This one, same same with the director here. Directed by Scott Seal and he, he did Cruel Intentions 3 and Roadhouse 2. I don't. I don't hear people talking very highly of these movies. I think the most interesting thing is he did a movie called Broken Wessel, which stars Todd Field from before Todd Field turned to directing. Oh. Uh, if you, like if you don't, Todd Field directed In the Bedroom and Little Children and Tar. Uh, he he does like one movie every decade, but every time he makes one, he gets nominated for a ton of Oscars. Uh, but before that, in the nineties, he was an he he was an actor. He's in Eye of the Eagle two, uh, which is like the Filipino schlock, schlock sequel to I th I think it's Robert Patrick in the original. I could be wrong. I've never heard of this. Okay, and but yeah, he did he did stuff like that and uh, just other stuff. He used to be like an actor, and uh, he one of the movies he did was. Uh, this movie brought Broken Wessel directed by Scott Seal and that was the only one where I'm like huh that's a bit interesting that's where he learned his uh, Oscar nominated craft yeah I learned it from Scott Seal yeah yeah no Eye of the Eagle directed by Sirio H. Santiago and uh, it stars a very young Robert Patrick pre-fame okay I had, to, I had to check it but I did remember that right bonus points for you yay yay me uh, yeah, and then what they invent, uh, they finally create their uh, potato gun uh, with the uh, hairspray and everything. And no, they no, no, they it's, it's some car oil stuff, but yeah. Oh, yeah, they, they yeah, it's a different, different uh, flammable, flammable spray, yeah. they, which have some, some car-related car stuff. Yes. Because they're in a junkyard. And they shoot. Molotov cocktails at the <laughs> bikers with their potato gun, and it's great. Yeah, yeah, and we, then basically we get the climax. Basically, of this, uh, it's a long shootout, and a lot of them die. Maybe I don't know spoilers on who dies, but good, good stuff. Good squibs. Yeah, um, it's legible. Good action. I felt like you. I wasn't ever like, oh, what the fuck's happening now? And then yeah, you get the. Um, Archer girl gets back to shooting arrows. And it's a real, really cool moment where she, where uh, Desmond Harrington comes to save her, and she hits this biker in the face with his shotgun. And it's like you shouldn't have come back, and it just blows him away. I was like, hell yeah, that felt really cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Desmond Harrington action hero. Let me have more of that. <laughs> and yeah, the uh, uh, Meredith Cole survives very f well. No, would despite. Being shot in the gun before hours earlier. Well, it's got to be almost twenty-four hours, almost eighteen hours, maybe from the from the mid midday until the next morning. She's just shot and she's just duct taped up. 
cheesy trooper. Yeah. And then Leah Thompson and Fred Ward comes crashing in and saves the day. Hits a biker with a car and Fred Williamson. Wrong again. Gets to shoot someone with a shotgun. And I'm just like, hell yeah. Yeah. Fred. And then Meredith Cole saves his life by shooting a biker that's about to kill him. Yeah, the the Santa hat biker. That's right. So we can remember it's a Christmas movie. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I watched in the production diary, they show you Fred Ward's uh, stunt double, body double. Yeah. And because um, uh, Fred Ward has really great hair. Uh, and the guy, <laughs> his stunt double has really high arches. He's He's heavily balding. Mm-hmm. So um, they've colored in his his for uh, all the way to his forehead <laughs> with like yeah just like shoe polish on his head so it looks black. Uh, it's great. I think I posted a picture on my Twitter of it of this guy. But <laughs> yeah, they basically painted like the Steven Seagal hairdo yeah. on him because <laughs> he needs to look. He needs to pass for Fred Ward in in wide shots, and he's he doesn't have the hairline for it. Well, it worked. It's. I think. Yeah, it's very funny. Yeah, he's showing it off in the in the behind the scenes stuff. Mm. Great fun. But yeah, that's exit speed. Yeah, we get a little epilogue at the hospital. Yeah, can leave that. People leave that for the for people to check out themselves. See, get to see the ending. It's a, it's, a, it's satisfying. Yeah, it is. It, um, it's a bit open. Like I'm not really. I guess my main point is, uh, is Desmond Harrington driving to see his son, or what's the deal? What's the deal there? Is it, or is he just going on a, on a road trip with Archer Girl? <laughs> I feel we forgot a little bit about your son in here, Desmond Harrington. You you dropped your son for the nookie. Yeah. <laughs> well, it'll be Christmas again next year. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, with a new stepmom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but... Um, Exit Speed, it's a really solid DTV action movie. Uh, really good script, really well-rounded characters, with, and you always have like a sense of sense of danger. You don't feel safe for the characters, and the characters don't feel like stock characters that you see in every single uh, DTV movie. And then just yeah, get, getting some some actors in there who's a little more seasoned uh, to really like lift some of the some of the characters that maybe aren't as well written like Gregory Jabara and the, the coach character he's not really that well written he he loves football he is a hard ass and he has a drinking and anger issue but you you feel for him when you yeah. feel when, in the end like he he I think that's that's probably the weakest character in the script but it it works. He he feels he gets a he has his redemption arc, and then sort of in the climax when he he burns a guy alive, you're like, yeah, you did it. You <laughs> you viciously murdered that guy. I feel good for you. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, check check out Exit Speed because it it is really a hidden gem. Uh, it's set at Christmas Eve, but I mean, it doesn't really feel like Christmas that much. Nope. Could have used a little bit more Christmas. Yeah, you could have maybe put more two two bikers in Santa hats or something, yeah. <laughs> or just if the junkyard wasn't abandoned and it was decorated for Christmas. Yeah, but it's abandoned, so obviously nobody's bothered decorating it for Christmas. You know, 
Yeah, make a make it a, a functional one, and there's a little Christmas tree on the desk or something. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I always love it when these movies stick under ninety minutes, and this is like a good eighty-five minutes or something. Yeah, I think so. Eighty-five uh, plus some um, bit of credits. Yeah. Because I was um, well, I was watching it earlier today, and then I told you, I estimated I'll be like around ten minutes late, but then it's like, oh no, actually I'm on on time because the. There's a lot of credits in this one. Yeah. It's uh, short and sweet. I agree. All right. Well, I so then I've been watching this one now three out of the last four years. So it's, it's well into my Christmas uh, Christmas roster. But uh, like, what are, what are some of your Christmas roster movies? You, your go-to Christmas movies? I don't know if I have go-to Christmas movies. I try to watch new ones every year. Yeah. I mean, I try to do that too. Like in the in the lead up, I always try to like find new stuff. Like uh, this year, I watched so far this year already. I watched uh, I watched Ghostbusters two because I heard that one was Christmas at Christmas. Your lead up has started already. Yeah, sure. December first. That's when you Jeez. start switch to Christmas movies. <laughs> and I watched uh, Writers of Justice with um, Mads Mikkelsen. I've seen that one. Well, I want to. I, I want to. I, I want to call it "Redfaldiatensridra" because I don't like the the change of the title. Is that is that "Righteous Knights" or something? Well, it's the same thing, but it's the in the movie the the evil the bad guys the MC group is called Riders of Justice. Yeah, yeah, and so that's just it's sort of like a pun on that. Is that okay? But so they call. The movie's called that in the Danish. It's just the same word phrase in Danish, but uh, it sort of applies to the main guys because they are not. It's just like they're they're sort of the same two sides of the same coin in a way, but they're the more I don't know like they're the clumsier Danish version instead of the evil bikers. But then in the English, when it's just called Riders of Justice, it it's just like the evil biker group becomes the titular characters. Ah. Okay. They, I I I really don't like the that they just made that the title. They should have should have workshop it. And I I watched one called Man from Mallorca. It's a Swedish police thriller from the eighties. There's a really famous one from the seventies called Man on the Roof, which recently got a Blu-ray release. And this one is the writer, uh, director, and half of the cast, a lead duo of that one, coming back to do another one in the eighties about it's about a post robbery taking place right before christmas and then the movie the rest of the movie like runs through the christmas period and uh, i thought it was really good it's a very it's a french connectiony swedish movie as well huh? yeah that's okay. was a swedish one man from mallorca and uh i i can see a lot of people not liking the ending but i i liked it because it's sort of a non-ending because mm. are the only ones i've watched so far this year I was planning on watching Cold Steel with uh, Sharon Stone. Oh, yeah, and um, the Breaking Bad guy. Jonathan Banks. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I heard about this one. It's um, maybe on my list. I, I don't know yet. It was on my list last year, and I didn't watch it. Okay. It's it's one of those that I, I, I'm aware of that as a Christmas movie. If you haven't seen Dead Bang, I think maybe Is, is that the be. John Frankenheimer one? Yeah, that's the John Frankenheimer, uh, yeah. Don Johnson one. I think it would pair well with that one, maybe, because they're okay. both about murders that happen on Christmas Eve. That's like the setup. 
uh, that's the Christmassy part of both of them, I think. And then it sort yeah. of moves moves on from there to uh, like a yeah, chasing killers or whatever. Okay. Another one that I have that I might watch is uh, Zero Tolerance with Robert Patrick, PM Entertainment. I watched that one last year. I think I saw. Yeah, I watched the 30th of December last year. So it was a really late under the wire one. But it's good, right? I loved it. I was. I didn't think it was gonna. I've heard some people hype it up, but I. I didn't really think it was gonna be as good. Uh, it's one of my favorite PM Entertainment movies. I think. Oh, nice. Um, directed by Joseph Marie, uh, who is the main main guy at PM. He's the M in PM. Uh, yes, Richard Pepin, and uh, it's the other ones. It's Pepin and Marie. And because uh, everyone also talks up uh, the sweeper with C. Thomas Howell, not a Christmas movie, uh, but that's the one everyone keeps hyping up. So, oh, this is the this is the PM Entertainment movie. It's okay. And I th- I don't really like the sweeper. I think it has a huge down period in the middle there. And for me, zero tolerance was like, oh no, this is the movie people should be talking about the way they talk about the sweeper. Uh, so hopefully, I haven't hyped that one up too much for you now. <laughs> well, if it's Half as good as Exit Speed, I'll be happy. Yeah. Ugh, no, I watched uh, last year. Uh, let's see what I went through. Enemy of the State. It's one. That's a Christmas movie? Yeah. Oh. They sell by Christmas. That's why he's buying Christmas presents for his wife. Oh. That's how he ends up with uh, chips and stuff. Or or the stuff that the, the bad guys want. Yeah, okay. Yes, yeah, so I watched Enemy of the State and uh, Three Days of the Condor. Uh, did some spy ones last year. Both of those are Christmas set. Those, uh, both of those are fun. Mm. Good, really good thrillers. I say fun. They're, just, they're good thrillers. I don't know. Anime of the State is a bit fun. I don't know if Three Days of the Condor is that much fun. It's a very 70s, 70s uh, sort of conspiracy thriller light in a way. Yeah. Yeah, I just I have the I have the regulars one I visit aren't really action ones. You know, Muppet Christmas Carol, Christmas Vacation. I always try to get those in. Those aren't really, really very action-y. Uh, there's one called Christopher's Christmas Mission or Carl Bertillonson's Julafton. Ah, yeah. It's a animated short. That that's the most important one for me. That's traditional. Uh... Yeah, tradition. It airs around on TV six o'clock every Christmas Eve, and it's a Swedish cartoon um, about this uh, teenager who works at the post office and decides to steal uh, Christmas gifts from the rich and give them to the poor. And uh, I think it's great. Um, there's an English dub, which I wouldn't recommend. Okay. Is it on YouTube in original Swedish? I don't know anymore. I know it used to be. I haven't looked it up uh, for uh, a couple of years because I can watch it on TV. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I haven't needed to. Yeah, okay. But that that's the big one for me. I love that. And it's like, it's 20, 23 minutes long only. But maybe the magic is a bit lost if you don't understand uh, Swedish. That's possible. Yeah. All right. Any final Christmas movies you would like to highlight, action or not? I uh, yeah, I can only think of the usual suspects: Lethal Weapon, Die Hard. Do you actually watch Lethal Weapon around Christmas time? Not for a while now. No. Okay, I don't think I've ever done that. I mean, because we have Die Hard will is on will be on TV, so I have I have seen that one. Uh, yeah. No, I don't know. I well, Heat and Dead Bang. I already mentioned on the top of the episode. Uh, uh, those are fun ones. 
some other fun ones that I discovered through the marathon. There's one called Killer Raccoons 2, Dark Christmas in the Dark, mm-hmm. which I think I mentioned before on the pod, or maybe I mentioned it off mic, but it's it's a Under Siege 2 remake set at Christmas, but all the bad guys are replaced by intelligent raccoons. <laughs> you remember now, yeah. Except the the Eric Bogosian character, I think, is still played by a by a regular person. But that's it. There's a bunch of raccoons that hijack a train at Christmas. <laughs> it sounds fantastic. Yeah, it's okay, but it's 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 not great, but it's so it's so wild and inventive that I would definitely recommend uh checking it out. Uh on, on and going back to PM, there's always Riot with Gary Daniels. That's the better one. That's another Christmas movie too. That's the good stuff. That is good. I think we'll have to do an episode on that eventually. And uh yeah, I think those are that's the my that's what I have. Uh well check out uh Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We wish you a turtle Christmas. Always watch that one. <laughs> one of the worst things ever made. But next week, what are we talking about? That is the big question. We don't know. Not even Santa Claus knows. So I have presented three double feature options that we were going to vote for, and it ended in a three-way tie. <laughs> so uh, yay, democracy. It really, it really works. Uh, so the options are... Fat Man and Violent Knight, uh, like a Santa Claus as an action hero double feature. Yeah. Uh, I Come in Peace and The Defender, a Dolph Lundgren Christmas. That one got my vote. Or No Man's Land and Getaway, which are uh, car-based uh, Christmas action movies. It's No Man's Land with uh, it's D.B. Sweeney um, and Getaway with Ethan Hawke. Okay. Uh, I knew a guy who kept saying Ethan Hawkey all the time. And I was like, we don't want to correct you, but everyone knows you're wrong. Um, <laughs> I used to do the same thing with Robert Town, the writer of Chinatown. Oh, okay. Because he has an E at the end as well. I mean, I have, I probably have some that I've been mispronouncing for years too. I just can't remember them right now. But, so those are options one, two, and three. And so in front of me now, I have a number generator, which is going to pick between one, two, and three. And generate, and the number is three. No Man's Land slash Getaway will be our next episode, I guess. Yeah. I promise you I didn't cheat. I I know you can't see my computer screen here, but... I believe you. Very unexciting to draw between three. I should have made notes or something. (laughs) Could have picked for you and shown you on the camera. No, no. I trust you. I trust you. So... Nobody could decide, and then it's No Man's Land and Getaway. A, I don't know, something. A car, broom, broom, Christmas. <laughs> I will think of a better pun. Uh, we have a week to think about it, or more. Looking forward to it. All right. That wraps it up for today. Yeah. Sign up for the Discord. Join the website. Uh, Alloutofbubblegum.com uh find us find us on patreon we should probably upload something uh christmas related i'll see you next week and merry christmas ho 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 christmas eve and all is ready la 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 no be 
bomb and no rock steady. Fa la 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 la. Let's all sing this part together. Fa la 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 la. Merry Christmas to the shredder. Fa la 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 la. Fa la 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 la. Merry Christmas, sunshine.